Hey guys, it's Holly. And this week, before we go into our interview with Elena, we are speaking with Faye Zenoff of Open Recovery in San Francisco to tell us about something that's coming up on April 30th in the Bay Area. So that first, and then stay tuned for our episode. Hi, Faye. How are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here talking to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'm excited about it too. So I was put in touch. uh, It's interesting. I was put in touch uh, with your organization through a few mutual friends. I lived in San Francisco and a couple of yoga teachers, uh, Stephanie Snyder and my friend uh, Allison, um, both were uh, had heard about this. And so this is uh, this is a great thing. Open recovery, the open recovery event that's on April 30th is what I'm talking about. Um, And so I thought it would be great if we could just chat a little bit about it and what it is, um, how you came to become involved in it. So, um, great. So, yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with the event itself since that's okay. how we got connected. So cool. April 30th in San Francisco at Chrissy field is road to recovery, which is the second annual event of its kind, which is a celebration of all the paths to recovery and life in recovery. So it's to build recovery community to, uh, to educate the general public, but really to celebrate with family and friends what life looks like in recovery so we can really shift the paradigm so people aren't just thinking about addiction. Right. And this is so interesting. This is like part of the part that I think really confounded me when I was getting, when I was in recovery and in early recovery, which is that it's something that is really set up in society, as you said just a minute ago, to be, to be treated in, in more of a crisis intervention. Like we really, really focus on treating addiction at in spectrum and we really focus on just that part of it and also it's really set up for people to um it's like it's recovery is really set up for individuals to work it alone like instead of cancer recovery like cancer is is you involve the like my mom was going through cancer uh was was recovering from cancer when i was recovering uh from addiction and so it's just a juxtaposition of we don't you know we don't have things like this yeah. Absolutely. And I found the same thing myself as well. And actually my mother was recovering from cancer as well. And we go huh. to specialists and centers and they get passes to gyms and, you know, cakes and all the whole thing. Crazy. Um, so the whole concept of open recovery and this event and why we invited Stephanie to get involved and so glad that you're checking in with us too is there is nothing like this for recovery. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, you walk for AIDS or your ice bucket challenge for ALS or right. bike ride. Oh no, it's bike ride for AIDS and walk for cancer. There's nothing like this. So we're all, you know, stigmatized, invisible, silent. And so what we have done is create this opportunity by creating this empowering experience. So there's yoga, there's a 5k, there's music, there's inspiration, there's dance, there's meditation, there's speakers, there's authors, there's art projects, there's a kid zone. It's really a half day of celebration. That's so cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And this is the Go second ahead. time that you guys have, d- have done it, right? It was, it was the first time was last year. Right. So okay. we did it last year. It was really hard to find sponsors. No one wants to be right. associated, corporate sponsors. No one wants to be right. associated with this issue. Right. Um, and, you know, we had some courageous foundations and organizations that helped us fund it. We had 500 people show up, which was a sellout event for us. That's all we had permitted for. And right after that event, people have said, you've got to bring this to other communities. So our plan is year two in San Francisco, year three LA. We have um, a plan to get to New York. We have a plan to um, be in Las Vegas and Seattle. So of course it all takes partnership. 
and yeah, funding. Right. Um, and for us, this is not, people ask us, well, is open recovery a treatment program? I'm no. like, no, absolutely not. It's yeah. a paradigm. It's a shift of a way to identify right. that like you, I'm open in my recovery to share the paths, to share my success, to inspire, to educate. Because when I was actively you know, in my addiction, I didn't see any models. I mean, no. I, who did we know? Betty no. Ford? I mean, Nobody. <laughs> no one. No, my right. people. That was exactly, that's right. exactly why we do this podcast because Laura and I just were, when we both started out, we were like, where the hell is everybody? Where right. is everybody? And, right. and it is, there are a lot of people Right. In well, just recovery. in San Francisco, we estimate just statistically based on the national numbers, there are over 500,000 people in recovery from just drug abuse and alcoholism just that. I in mean, San Francisco County? Sh- or in San Francisco County. That's okay. correct. In the city and county of San Francisco. That's- I'm sorry. In the in the San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. In okay. San Francisco City, there's about 50,000. No, I'm sorry. I mean, Bay I area. would have estimated that when I lived yeah. there. But yeah. no, um, yeah, that's, I mean, it is. It's it's something that is so, it really does need a paradigm shift. And it really does. And, and not only that, there's this, there's also this part of this, which is asking for support in this journey. A lot of the yeah. time, I, I still have, I just had a conversation with my mom about this last week which is that we I, we're so conditioned that because like this this with I, this idea that you do this to yourself and so you right. don't get to ask for support of other people and that has right. been something that's been really hard for me personally to overcome yes. um, and just accept help and ask for help and also be able to enjoy you know like to be able to enjoy the triumphs that you know today I'm four years sober today is my fourth congrats and thank you um, <laughs> and it takes so much for us I think to move to the side of saying like we deserve to be celebrated for this work that we do because yes. it is hard it hard is. work it is and w- your point to much like the AIDS epidemic and the, the community's response and the government's response or lack of response was mm. the same issue, which is they brought it on themselves. There was right. so much stigma, right? Yeah. And so the, the, the change paradigm there is when we had people come forward and say, this is what it looks like to have HIV. This is what it looks like to be a homosexual. This is what it looks like right. to stand with pride in our identity. We do not deserve to die. We didn't bring this on ourselves. I mean, it took years for this paradigm shift to understand that we need to treat this like we treat all other conditions with respect, right? And but it did require the individuals themselves, you know, the silence equals death. And That's what I was just going to say. Silence out. equals death. It changed everything. Yeah. It changed everything. That's and right. That's so, yeah. right. Well, this is, I'm so excited. So yeah. the, the event again, it's on April 30th at Chrissy Field in San Francisco. It's a half right. day event. So to- so there's a registration site, which is really important because we as a nonprofit organization are trying to host this together with partners. So we don't even have it covered yet. So it's an it's a fundraising to, first of all, cover the site, cover the event, and then secondly, to help create recovery programs in our community. So it's roadtorecoverysf.org. This is one of the three... Um, things that we as an organization do, which is to help change the paradigm of recovery. Um, this is empowering personal experiences and community. We also have recovery workshops to bring into workplaces because the majority of people who are in recovery 
our working people. Yeah. But how do we create awareness in the workplace? And then we also have an ad campaign that's right now on Muni buses, which is this is recovery, and that's just general education about what recovery looks like. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's so it's so absolutely necessary, and I'm really excited to. I'm excited to participate next year. Um, Good. And and you have and Stephanie Snyder is teaching a yoga class. Who else do you guys have? Right. Well, so we have a bunch of different um, specialists coming and instructors. Stephanie is going to be leading the post 5K stretch. Yes. We have uh, yoga 12 step recovery. Oh, we have against the stream doing meditation. Oh. We have, um, yeah, no, we have a great group. That's we have so awesome. um, Mackenzie Phillips giving a talk. We have just an incredible group of authors, artists. I mean, everybody is coming with their own offering. There's no celebrity. There's no one who's That's made right. it more than the other. That's this right. is individuals saying, I did this. You can do this. We're in this together. And like you said, celebrate. That's and right. last year, we had so many people come forward and say, you know, I knew my, you know, my spouse was in recovery, but I didn't really know how to share that with them. This um, is how I share it with them. That's right. So it's really an opportunity to bring your colleagues and your family and your spouses and your children and your parents Anyway, I That's hope amazing. to see you next year. And thanks yeah, so much for giving thank us you. this opportunity. Yeah, thank you, Faye. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. All righty. Thank you. Okay, be well. Bye. Bye. Happy birthday. There is hope for us yet. We are young, we are wet. I am Laura McCowan. There is no time for despair. And I am no Holly Whitaker. And this no is Home Podcast. And so it would begin. <laughs> it's distracting. No, I, I'm not distracting. Um, your mini me is distracting. It's just, it's so funny because I don't. Tell people what just happened. Your kid is like, you know, I mean, like, it's not even like I love. I, first of all, I love Alma. Um to death and I love children um I just also love that I don't have them (laughs) (laughs) yeah um I am I am I am the aunt that I hated growing up no um I'm much no you're probably the aunt I my my kids love me my my, but I but I just it's so funny because I I mean I was pregnant when I was 23 I was in a long-term relationship living with my boyfriend we were planning on getting married um and and we got pregnant and we'd, we'd already had an abortion when I was younger together and we couldn't do it again and we were so unprepared we were so poor and we were just like we're gonna do this we're gonna have this baby and um we spent like I mean I was pregnant for like I think just about two months um and um it was so it was one of the like most special times of my life and I went from somebody that never thought she would have kids to somebody that only wanted kids I was I loved being pregnant I loved it's so weird to talk about because I never talk about it. You didn't know about this? No, we've never talked about this. Well, I was at, I mean, it was one of those things. I was 23. I was an intern at Deloitte and I had just signed a full contract to go to work for them full time, making like 50 grand a year right out of college um, in six months. It was like, um, it was this, It was right before the summer and I was going to start in January 2000 and, um, oh my God, I guess this is 2004. And so Steve was living in Fresno. We'd been together since I was 18. Um, and, uh, and, and I took a pregnancy test when my sister and mom were visiting. My sister lived in the, we were, I lived in Santa Cruz. My sister lived in the apartment next to me with her boyfriend. And, 
And Steve, I think, was planning to move there anyway. We had we got pregnant the night I got I graduated from college. Actually, like the night of my ceremony, um, we had unprotected sex because we were drunk. Drinking, <laughs> so you know, because drinking was, yeah. is bad. Well, we'd been broken up. I didn't. I was so unsure about being with him at this point, and he loved me so much. And he just would like he came even though we were broken up and like you know was there for a week and you know took care. He was just like the best guy. He took care of my family and me and you know and like helped put the party on and you know he's just he's a great he's a great he is we're still friends he's a great man and um yeah so he so we had unprotected sex and I we weren't even together and then I you know maybe a couple weeks later or a month later I guess um I was going to the bathroom and or not going to the bathroom I just decided to take a pregnancy test even though my periods were irregular and because something was going on and um and I was pregnant and I went to breakfast with my mom and my sister and then I was looking around at babies. I, I called Steve immediately and I was like, fuck, you know, like and he's he was Catholic and he's like, I don't know if I can do this again. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this again. I that's just it's something about it felt wrong. And then um, I because I was going to make money, you know, and um I wasn't, you know, young and and on my way to college, and you know, and so, anyway, long story short, I um I just kind of I said like I w- I looked there were babies there was like a hundred babies in this breakfast place that morning, and I um I was like oh my god I want a baby I want to do this, and I called him and he was like I'm so in and um and we were like like we'd already been looking at rings you know we'd already been mm-hmm. we've been talking about getting married for a while like um like wouldn't you know in between breaking up um and uh we're breaking up i want to get married i mean that's can you imagine your life like that that almost happened right well i mean and then and i was and that friend for two months and we told everyone and it was a weird time in my family my mom wasn't um really supportive of it um it was a weird thing and my dad was super supportive of it and um and his family was so supportive of it and that made me grieve the abortion his like i mean well the miss carriage made me grieve the abortion all of it made me grieve the abortion I'd never dealt with the abortion and like you know and so I was just so um oh my god I was I was like I was in love with being a mom I was so in love with every little bit of it I you know I didn't mind like the drinking was no problem like and I was in a much different place in my life I wasn't abusing alcohol I was abusing pot but I wasn't abusing alcohol in the way I had been but it was no problem not smoking cigarettes drinking pot I was just all of a sudden like it was so special. And so I ended up, um, when I, I went out to, I, at the end of my internship, I was working at Deloitte and I went out one night and I started spotting. And then my friend's mom was a nurse and she's like, it's fine. And then by my Steve was out of town and my sister's boyfriend was out of town and I went over to my sister's apartment and I just started, you know, hemorrhaging in her bed and went to the hospital and, um, you know, and, and it was devastating. Um, we tried to get pregnant again right afterwards. And then my sister's best friend got pregnant right after that. And it felt like an affront. It really, it was just, I remember that time so serious, like feeling like she literally, like her pregnancy was an affront to my miscarriage. And, um, and we tried desperately to get pregnant again really quickly. And, um, and, and I just, um, it was one of the most painful losses I've ever been through. And I, this is when I got, you know, I talk about, I've had agoraphobia before and I had severe panic attacks I gained like you know I weighed I weighed about 40 pounds more than I do now I um went into severe depression I 
Um, this is also when I realized I wasn't in love with Steve. Um, and this is also when I just started, I, my mom got really sick and I thought she would never walk again. And, um, and I was going, it was my, and then I was, I was finishing up credits at school and working full time. And I just had like the most major, like the most significant panic attack ever. Uh, so anyway, it's like a long story short to say that it's so weird because I did and I, and, and then in every relationship after that. I wanted kids with Adam and then I wanted kids with Scott and then I wanted kids with, you know, um, every man I was with, I just imagine what kind of father he would be. And, and, and Andrew, we were, we wanted, you know, I was living with him when, when we broke up and we wanted kids. And even when I was with, you know, my last boyfriend, Tom, like we talked about how we would split up the duties of having children. Like we were clear about it. And I wanted kids then. I wanted five of his, I've always wanted five, five for some reason. And then, and then I, uh, it I just, no idea. No, and so yeah, so it's just weird because I will, I do not want children now. Like, I don't, I know very clearly that I don't. I might adopt at some point, but I just, I know what kind of life I, I, I see for myself at this point. And, um, you know, and things can change clearly. Um, but yeah, so that's my story. Happy intro oh, to Elena. <laughs> Um, no, I just didn't know any of that, really. Like, I, I, didn't, I, knew, I didn't know any of that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I never have talked about it um, ever. Like, I mean, aside from with some friends. Um, but, yeah, I, and I don't talk about it. Um, anyway, so uh, do you have anything that you want to promote? <laughs> um, I... I'm having trouble just talking about inane stuff now because that was that was a big deal. It's a big deal. Oh, well, I mean, it is and it isn't. Like, it's also, it happened 20 years ago, you know, like almost 15 years ago. And um, my life isn't that anymore. Um, and it was just started because your kid is in your room and it's in fat. It's just, it's unfathomable to me what that must be like. That that's it. It's just a. It's a very different. It's a different part of of our life. Like it's a very different. You know, it's a part of your life that I will never understand. You know, um, and yeah. um, no, I have a kid who is now really annoyed with me um, because I was <laughs> I was trying to listen. She was trying to get my attention with spicy Doritos. So I don't know what's going on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's a difference in us for sure for our lives. But okay, so yes, I have a couple things to promote. One is uh, a retreat. My last retreat of the year is coming up in Colorado in June from June 8th to 11th. Um, And it is focused on writing as a spiritual practice, as a practice, as a healing practice. Um, And I'm doing it with Meadow, DeVore, and we have spots. We want to have people there. We also, I uh, want to promote that we have PATH going on. And a few questions have come up about PATH, so I wanted to, like, address them. It is a community. It's a program that you can join anytime. Um, there's no, like, if you, this is our sixth week, and there's no catching up or anything like that. We want, we, we run weekly classes, and they are, um around all kinds of things this week this month we're doing boundaries next month we'll be talking about recovery related stuff and this they're all standalone classes so you can jump in at any time um that is on my website as well on uh, lauramccowan.com and that's where the retreat is as well and then we have a few events coming up are you going to cover those 
Yeah, I'll cover them. Um, we have our Never Not Broken workshops coming up. And um, honestly, it's getting really close uh, to selling out in San Francisco and also in Austin. In Austin, I think we have about 10 seats left. In San Francisco, we probably have about, as of today, we'll have about... Um, I imagine about uh, 10 as well. Um, and so make sure if you're interested in either of those locations for a Never Not Broken workshop that you sign up for those. Chicago is a lot more flexible, um, probably about 20 more seats um, in that. And then also um, Los Angeles. We haven't even opened yet. Hopefully we'll have it open by the time this airs next week. What's happening? Yeah. Um, and then so those are our Never Not Broken workshops. You can sign up on hipsobriety.com. Also this week is uh, right now as I'm, I'm speaking, uh, our registration for Hip Sobriety School is open. Um, it sells out every time, um, and it sells out uh, sells out pretty quickly. And so, if you're interested, it's an eight week program that is meant for anybody, whether you are just sober curious or whether you are just like looking for something to help guide you through the first part of getting sober, or whether you've been sober for a period of time. It is a, it is an eight week course that is an alternative. Uh, to AA as much as it is a compliment to AA and other programs. And it's just meant to help you navigate holistic recovery in a group of like-minded people. I mean, if you tend to be attracted to, to this podcast or my work, um, my words, whatever it is that you, if you, you're going to find people in that same, you know, it, it, we kind of attract like a, a pretty great tribe. Um, this is the uh, sixth time that I'm doing it. Um, and, uh, it just gets better every time. And so, uh, if you are interested in just either finding a path to recovery or also strengthening the path that you're already on from not sober all the way up to a year or two sober, we've had people that are three or four years sober in the program. Um, check it out. Hip, it's at the hip sobriety project.com, the hip sobriety project.com. Uh, and there's tons of information there. And I think that's it. Um, <laughs> all right. So today we have uh, on our very special episode of the Home Podcast, um, we have a returning. We have one of our friends returning, and she's somebody you, you work and know really closely, um, work with closely, and know and know well now. Um, and that's uh, our friend Elena Brower. Yeah, she came back to chat with us, and she. She was one of our first handful of guests, um, mm-hmm. and she was just a year sober when she came on the first time, and we just thought it would be great to check up, because since then, um, we've ended up doing a lot more work together um, and just, you know, connecting more. So she, we caught up on just life and what she's doing and what um, is happening for her now, what her recovery is like, and just had a kind of all-around check-in. Yeah, and I, it was interesting because we had followed her. My attention had been, I discovered her, I want to say it, it's hard to recollect, but recollect, recollect. Um, but I had found her, I had found out about her because one of my friends followed her closely and was like, I think she's getting sober. She had been getting sober slightly publicly. She'd been, I want to say, stepping out with Tommy Rosen. And um, <laughs> like, it's that glamorous. Um, no, she'd been, she'd been, she'd been talking about Gab, uh, Gabby Bernstein and uh, her 40 day program and, and Tommy Rosen. And I think there'd been hints dropped. And, um, and then she came out with it and she was already 
already in a position. She's already a healer and and somebody that had a huge following when she came out, which was mm-hmm. which was which was remarkably brave. And then you'd been following her for years, and then we had her on, you know, a year as she was a year sober, and then um, and then from there, you you know, you've you work with her now with. Um, Dutera, and you've um, also. I want to say she. Um, I I found like uh, I've. She gave us a copy of her meditation program after our last call, and I actually. It's really funny, but I uh, meditate with her a lot. I love yeah. her guided meditation. She's got an amazing. Yeah, she's got an amazing voice. She does. I yeah, know. And she in this episode she reads um, a spoken word that she had just written like the day before. That's so it's right. Cool. That's right. So yeah. So this was a fun conversation with a, with a, a one we love, and here she is. So, Lainey, you just got back from Australia. Australia. I was in uh, New Zealand doing the Wanderlust at Great Lake Taupo and then went to Australia for the month of February to teach and sort of troop around with my son, who is now 10. Oh, we had a great time. It was say. so fun to watch. It was like this, um, you know, because I'm back in New England during this time, which is you picked the most perfect time to go mm. and it was just like oh right there there's like life that looks like that <laughs> it feels like that right. <laughs> sunshine that happens <laughs> that happens and you're gonna do that i mean you're doing that every you just said before we started you're gonna do that every year now that's what's up yeah yeah, and it's so interesting because we don't take advantage of stuff like that. Like, I just randomly booked a trip to Rome. I mean, I'm already going in June. That's like my happy place. And then I just booked an extra trip for May for a week. Um, we don't. I don't take advantage enough of this life that I have and this life that we have. And we we don't think we can do things like this, but we can do things like this. Yeah, that's it. I just. Uh, I just chose to ask his teacher so we're gonna try and do it every year and she said great you did he did all his homework we're gonna work it out perfect yeah he'll remember that month a lot a lot more than he'll remember sitting at school yeah Yeah, right right and we stayed on top of it which is good yeah that is good so we're having you back i had we had to actually look to see when you were on um the first time it was it was over a year ago, and I my memory of it was I was just we were I was sitting in my closet, yes, <laughs> recording in my closet, and I remember the sound being kind of wacky. Um, and in that year, like so much has happened, so we wanted to catch up with you and just talk about just catch up. Did you guys know each other then? No. And then no. you, I mean, and- I knew who you were, obviously, yeah. and we had like had a little bit of an exchange on Instagram, but no. Yeah, and now you guys are. I mean, you're Laura. You're doing a lot of the Dutera stuff, and and you guys are are close. I mean, it's just it's so funny because it doesn't seem. It seems like a long time ago. It really mm-hmm. does. Um, Things are happening quickly and swiftly, and um, it feels like everything is sort of packed together now in a different way I don't know yeah yeah so that's why I think a lot has happened 
and in a funny way, it was just this morning kind of reconfiguring Wednesdays is a good day for that for me. I have slated in two hours of movement of any kind. And um, it involved laundry and hiking and um, reorganizing my books and desk space. And what I realized is a lot has happened this year. We've built, Laura and I, and Holly, you too, we've built a business. We are, at the same time as we're growing, I feel like I'm simplifying a great deal. I've narrowed it down to two things that I want to study and one business and that's it. Yeah. What is, okay. So I know I have so I many want, questions from that right there. Yeah. I want to talk about <laughs> the two things that you want to yes. study. Yoga Rupa Rod Striker. I just want to study with him and I'm doing everything I can to get to him and study with him online. Is he Rod Striker's in I, uh, Oakland? No, no, he's in uh, Colorado. Okay. Okay. That's so funny you said that because I, I was about to send you an email and say, um, I have this, this like, uh, call or or I'm um, drawn to him. I don't know why, because um, mm. I've never studied with him, and I want to take his anatomy thing on Yoga Glow. Should I? Mm, the Vinyasa Krama. Mm-hmm. That one. That's what the, is, the what is the sequencing. What is what is his um, thing? He is a student of Pandaji Rajmani Tiganayat, and he. Um, that lineage has its home at the Himalayan Institute in Pennsylvania and in Kajraho in India. And what I love about Rod is that he is a student. You know, he's a student of his teacher. He studies the tantric philosophy, Sri Vidya. Um, if you wanted to look at a couple of books, I would recommend probably The Secret of the Yoga Sutra. Would be the first place to look by Pandaji, Pandit Rajmani Tiganayat, um, where he breaks down all the sutras. Um, I I can't describe for you the feeling that I get when I'm with him, which is twenty years worth of um, steady presence in my life. He is the one who moved me to get sober. Really, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, very quietly. If I had to look back when I was asking, you know, I, I would always go and see him, you know, once a year, once every two years or so. And I'd always sort of ask those questions that are begging for help. And he would always say the same thing in some different way, which is something like, you know, substances create wrinkles in your, in your energy and mm-hmm. you don't need them. You have your meditation practice. You have your mantra. You have your yoga you need nothing else. I swear you're not getting a better insight. So what I'm so curious about that, because like, what were your questions? Like, did you ask him specifically? Should I get rid of, you know, should I stop smoking pot? Like, what did you ask him? No, it was always just, you know, what's your stance on substances these gotcha. days? It's always the same stance, of course. But it's like, somebody's just checking again. Now. What do you think now? Yeah. Right, right. So interesting. Okay, so that's fascinating to me because I, I, I wonder like who your teachers are. Like I know, I I know that you have worked with you study with him. I know you you like do like you're doing a retreat with him and later mm-hmm. this year or something. But we've um, had one together that we've co-taught. There's another one coming up this summer in Germany, and um, 
you know, it's obviously a privilege to teach with him, but really I'm, I've taken on my studentship with him and, you know, made it known and been very clear with him that that's where I'd like to go and sort of focus my energy. And of course I study with also two different Kundalini teachers here in New York, but not super regularly. I have my own sadhana in the morning and, um, and I also study with Abby and Naveen, who teach variations of Katona yoga, which um, has really helped my body a great deal regarding, you know, my sort of um, structural overall wellness yeah. with regards to, you know, how I arrange my body in Hatha, Hatha yoga. They, they're unparalleled. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And what's the other thing? What's the other area? Um, and the other area is my business. I'm going to start studying with Deb Erickson, who's the queen of network marketing. And wow, have I already experienced a shift in my mindset from studying with her for just a few days, watching her and listening to her and really taking it seriously, doing her worksheets and redefining what my business means to me. I want to help millions of families and mm-hmm. I needed you know, a concrete mentor. And she's like a combination of my mom and Carol Beast. Oh my God! What? <laughs> who knows everything about network marketing? And does she you know, have that amazing, um, like Chicago accent? Like Carol she kind of does. She has. I don't know exactly where she's from, but she's just so funny and she's so free. And she's, you know, she knows her. She knows her space. Yeah. yeah. And so it's very fun to, to learn from her. And the truth is, I really want to grow a thriving business. I'm enjoying being more charitable and saving a lot more money. I'm enjoying investing my money. I'm enjoying learning about all of that space and, uh, you know, really growing up. And it's a joy, you know, to have both a really deep spiritual practice and teacher and then to have a really strong understanding of what it means to be a woman owning a business. Yeah. Can you, can you answer, can you talk a little bit about, like, I think it's a really interesting concept. There's, there's a lot that comes, there's a lot of baggage around money. You know, there is a lot, and I've done a lot of work with it over the last couple of years, just like in not demonizing it, not looking at it as anything more or less than energy exchange. But can you talk a little bit about like, I mean, because especially like healers, yoga teachers, like we have this idea that we shouldn't be, I mean, there is a, there, you know, there is a a kind of poverty mentality and and people are largely underpaid. Um, And also this idea that this, that this, that, that money is, um, is evil or we should, you know, or, or uh, money is this empty chase or, you know, can you kind of talk about how you've like, um, I guess how your relationship with money is and how you, how you look at that and, and how you explain that to people. So I really did not have a great relationship to money at all. And that was a lot of my childhood was spent. um, My parents were either very worried about it or they were swimming in it and um, spending it. Same. Yeah. And so the alternation was very challenging, and I, I never saw money as something that I could or should have. My mom definitely struggled with it, and upon her death, we found all these different loans that she had made to people that would never pay her back. Like just There's a generosity on one hand with which I was raised, utter generosity, and then this, oh, my God, it's kind of tight. Yeah. 
Yeah. So big conflict. And so for, you know, most of my life, I was like, oh, I'll give it away. Who cares? It's just yoga. I'm supposed to give it away. And then there was, oh, my God, but I have to make money. I'm living in New York. And then there was, I'm surrounded by friends who have plenty. I'm surrounded by students who have none. You know, the conflicts abound. And mm-hmm. what I did was I st- when I started working with the Handel Group, I took it on and I realized that the more I could create a relationship with money that was really nourishing to me and um, valuable in terms of how it, how it flows through me into other things, right. I speak about that with you know, certainty once I sort of had the experience. It took me five years to really understand. And a lot of whispering in my ear from my now ex-boyfriend, dear friend, Bentley, who was always teaching me to ask for more than what I think I'm worth. Mm, And it was such a good lesson. And then I read, of course, Kate Northrup, Money, A Love Story. And I've done a few talks with her, both uh, formally recorded and informally unrecorded. Um, Her work with reminding yourself of your first money memory has helped me and my team a great deal. You know, what do I think when I think about rich people? Is it negative or positive? What do I think when I think about people with money? Um, When it comes to prosperity, what about people in service? These are all the questions that we have to ask ourselves when we consider our relationship to money. And I started developing, as a result of the work with Handel, I started creating a money vision that was me, an open channel for utter abundance, total abundance, paying attention to my money every day, looking at it meant it was going to grow, which by some incredible miracle, it is true. Every time I look at my bank account on the daily and it grows, um, and really is a reflection of how I think if I'm thinking prosperously and I'm giving it and I'm allowing myself to spend it on things that I really adore and want, then it comes back. I'm not frivolous, but there is a deep connection to money as, yes, as you said, Holly, energy and as a nurturing force in my life. Right. It's so funny because it makes, it's like what you teach with yoga with, in it, it, it's, it's what, so we're, we have a friend, um, Meadow DeVore, who, who talks about money sobriety. So you can relate the, Mm. like the idea of, sobriety in terms of you get the charge like the same charge from not spending as you would from not consuming a substance like you get um the or that the awareness you get the same level of awareness from not doing the thing as you would from doing the thing and then also what you just said like it's the same philosophies that come into yoga right um and why and how how like for me money was this thing that was just like set aside like all these these sort of philosophies or ideas that I know work for every other area of my life weren't going to apply with money right 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 she Kate has also a section on that uh in her book money a love story she talks about uh, clearing the way for self-love and she she asks us to think about I think the prompt is self-care or self yeah self-care makes me think of blank yeah when I, right. And it's like the first thing I wrote was luxury. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And so shifting that into self-care is something I have Not to necessary. do. And then things like acupuncture, um, massage, they, they cease to be luxuries at all and begin to be 
necessities, which, and follow me just for a second, which then changes the whole matrix of how money flows through me. Because if that's a necessity and those are expenses that I'm definitely going to have, suddenly I'm thinking in a different way about what I'm worth. I'm no longer worth X for a private. I'm worth four times that or three times that or two times that, Mm -hmm. which will then allow me to continue to get the necessary treatments that I need in order to be efficient and effective as, as a, a service provider. provider. Right. Exactly. So amazing. So That's true. right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've had a complete shift about how I look at taking care of myself. I mean, completely it's gone from, and I teach that like, it's one of the first things I, t- I try to teach is to shift how you view this idea of self care um, and it was actually Sean Korn was the one, the first one who kind of put that in my head um, that it's that it's like kind of a responsibility versus mm. a um, versus a luxury, mm. um, and that we can't, yeah, we can't give, we can't give anything that we aren't doing ourselves, and it in- completely increases the value of it. And not only that, the value of the time, right? Like most people will say, I don't have the time to do this or I can't possibly squeeze that in or how could you, you know, and it it really truly does come from not just, you know, like making the money work for it, but also making the time work for it. And realizing you you get a return on investment in all ways um, when you put that first. I mean, it really does. Like it's a bottom line issue. Like if I do not go to yoga, if I do not meditate, if I do not take that bath, if I do not buy that essential oil, if I do not drink that tea, or whatever it is, like, um, then I will not be able to do all these other things. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So I have a question. Um, you said earlier you are actually simplifying your, your life quite a bit. Like things are moving faster, but you are continually sort of distilling and simplifying. And from an outside perspective, like you're definitely one of the people I look at and I'm like, how is she doing all of that? How is this all happening? Um, So I'm curious. I'm curious because it looks like I I look at you and I'm like, how I want to know how she's running her life because I want to actually do that. <laughs> I want to know what's happening. Oh yeah, so like I, your schedule, like well, how she, well. what time you wake up and how much sleep you get. Yeah, and all I that mean stuff? some of that, but also more of the like mentality around it. Um, well, I want to know and, specifics. <laughs> yeah, and specifics, and also I really want to know if that is something that's really happened in recovery because. For me, okay, I'll, I'll relate it to my experience first. Like, I I am probably busier than I – I am outwardly busier and doing more. I'm far more productive than I ever was while I was using. But I have an immense space in me now that I didn't have before, no matter how kind of busy things get. And I mm. I wonder, I'm like, is that how it feels to Elena? It's, <laughs> because I, look- I think I have a similar um, – situation but what I've done just to speak to Holly's question and not prolong the answer too much what I've done is I've just created a really set nice schedule for myself with lots of space so 5 to 6 a.m sadhana I'm either hot the yoga I'm doing some kriya for usually I like to do some sort of abdominal work in the morning nabi kriya or uh, nervous system overhaul one of those and then I meditate 
right now in these days because I'm going to yoga glow in two weeks in the mornings instead of doing a full sadhana I'm opening you know prayer and then I'm going over one of my yoga glow classes refining it taking a few notes on it and then meditation um that goes to like six or six thirty. I do a little bit of work, maybe catch up on a few emails. I will scan what's in the inbox and pick three things that are most important mm -hmm. to handle and just handle those three. And then I'll go and wake up Jonah, see if James wants to join us for breakfast or not. Uh, usually I just make breakfast for Jonah and walk him over to school around eight o'clock, come back. And then I work Monday, Tuesday on my business slash scheduling yoga stuff. And from like 8.30 until, gosh, 12 or 1. Once or twice a month, I do this private that I spoke about with mm -hmm. the, the um, you know, at the, it's a really nice hotel. So I get to do a steam afterwards, which is very luxurious. And I used to think, oh, I should never use the steam. And then one day I was just like, you know what? I should be using this steam. I'm going to ask him. And he said, well, yes, of course, I have a membership for two people so that you're welcome to use the locker room anytime you come and teach me. <laughs> of course. Yes. Um, the rest of the afternoon from one to three, when I get Jonah, I get him half the time. Sometimes there's a sitter and she comes for a couple of hours. Um, I'm either doing work, I'm doing talks like this, interviews like this. Um, most of the summer I was working on the book, which I now am sort of, you know, I don't have to do that for the next few weeks until the book launches in September. I start doing press over the summer, I guess. Um, and, you know, I go to the gym, I go for a run in the park. I do a little more perhaps for my team. I'll record a call or some informational session or I'll study. This is when I take my classes on yoga glow. This is when I'll, um, you know, I'll listen to Deb's work. The, the afternoons are sort of at least one or two hours where it's just for me. And maybe I'll do the laundry and cook some food. So are you good? That's awesome, by the way. Are you good at um, sort of not doing anything? Um, I do that at late at night. When Jonah goes to sleep, I take a bath most nights. Mm. And sometimes James comes in there with me. But I don't, I try not to bring a book. Sometimes I do if I'm really into something. But I try not to bring a book and I try to just soak. Yeah. Not easy. Yeah. I, that's fascinating. Holly, did that scratch your itch? Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's all so good. Um, and so each one of those mornings is specific too. Like Mondays I do all video calls with the team. Mm -hmm. I do some support calls with certain individuals. I meet with my leaders. Tuesdays is one video call with the whole team and then also individual support. Um, oh, and then I left out that Fridays is my day off. And so I go to yoga in the morning somewhere or here, but no phone. Like it's as though I'm in a class, so there's no action for those 10 to uh. one basically. Um, on Fridays and then after that is kind of free skate I can yeah. go have lunch I'll go to the you know infrared sauna with James I'll go have meet him for late lunch you know go work yeah. with him in the office because he helps me a lot you know uh, on my projects interesting like that yeah it's pretty nice it is um what 
So well, kind I, of I want to kind of go. just expand on that just a little bit. I think like the key to that, like everything you just said is like you have a schedule and you follow it. You know, you you have a routine, yeah. you have habit and that you and you stick to it and you follow it. And and also, you know, like I think, you know, probably one of the most important parts of it too is that it's um, you know, it's not always you know, about balance, it's more about prioritizing, right? Like prioritizing the things that we actually want to work on. And so I'm sure there's also buried within all of that. There's a lot of stuff you don't do. Um, and a lot of stuff that's, that's not like that, that's excluded specifically to be able to enable, you know, to focus on the things that, that you're, that you're working on that you probably have no in your vocabulary. And, um, yeah, yeah. I have, I have like people when, when, there are editorial requests for stuff like this that come in after a certain date. It's I have to say no until next round. You know what That's I mean? Right. I just just can't. You know, want to. You know, there are many of them that I really want to do, but there just isn't the space. And if I start to pack those into the afternoons too uh, too much, um, I lose my potency. I don't have anything mm-hmm. to say. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I'm right. no use to you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you, um, when did you start figuring this out? Like, is this a, a recent, like past few years thing? You know, it was when the business started to pick up, when I started really paying attention to my team and I started to see residual income coming in and I started to see and hear, you know, from my son coming into me when he's got a chest cold saying, okay, I've, I've put the on guard on my feet. <laughs> I put the breathe stick on my chest. I sprayed my face with rose water. What else do I have to do before I go to bed, mama? You know, he's not reaching for the NyQuil. Yeah. The more I see that and the more I see these, you know, stories and emails of gratitude from families who are finally sleeping through the night because of the lavender diffusing in the kid's bedroom. It's simple stuff. But the more I see that, the more I start to feel like, okay, you know what, I want to, I can serve better. I want to refine how I'm spending my time. Is this an actual revenue generating activity or is it not? It's just, it's all very practical. You guys, there's nothing, there's no magic. There's no, um, you know, everything is a miracle. And so far as nothing is really a miracle. If you have a good plan and you prioritize, you're probably going to do pretty well for yourself. Well, it's the practice thing. I mean, too, it's right. It's just like kind of consistency and practice. Yes, indeed. And now I started serving myself tea, which is so lovely. I've been spending some time with like the the real Chinese tea ceremony. Really? Friends. Yes, with friends and without. It's just, you know, just a matter of pausing a lot and taking each action very slowly. And uh, it's the loveliest thing. You know, I have a little tea tray for myself and I've been serving it to myself here in my house. And um, to to sort of finish the whole long arc of that answer, Holly, um, now I've started to really simplify. I now throw books out constantly. If I know that I'm not going to look at it again, it goes into the box and it goes over to my friend's yoga studio for the Mm -hmm. library dare I ever need it again. I can go get it, but I know that I won't. Um, So that on my floor are the piles of books needed for each project or each interview or each course. And that's it. So the, the, the space itself is actually simplified a lot. There's not a lot of, um, muck around in the house. And that also is helping me to be a lot more creative and free in my thinking. Yeah. I, I like that too. I need to do 
I'm like a big purger. Mm. Um, but the books thing, my, my challenge is, and that I, I, I do, I have too many things going on. I get like shiny Mm. object, you know, next thing, next thing, next thing, and not simplifying. So it's good to hear this. Yeah. It's good. It's good just to say no and just go home and clean, clean out a drawer. I cleaned out three very like, there are drawers that aren't that messy, but I cleaned them out last week. And wow, it's like a whole new world. (laughs) James came home and was like, Elena, you're really getting everything sorted out around here, aren't you? And he like loves me more, you know, it's really funny. (laughs) So can we talk about um, like your love life in a way? Because one of the four areas that we, that we, um, talk about when we do catch-ups is that and I'm curious about a couple couple of different things because I know you're writing a book about um I think you said elegant divorce is the concept or the title mm-hmm. um and you can say no to any of this by the way of course but I'm curious about like your that area of your life and sort of what's up and where you are with it well um I talk about this a lot it's a point of great pride for our family my ex-husband and I managed to sort of navigate a very elegant divorce. And um, a dear friend of mine from Cornell, who's a mediator and a divorce attorney for many, many years now, we're so long out of college, it's so wild to me. She, I can't even get over it. We're, our, 25th, our 25th reunion is this summer. I'm not going. <laughs> Because you and, can't deal with that. It's 25 years. No, it's because I'm over. I'm already scheduled. Like, you oh, know, this yeah. was scheduled two years ago. Anyway, I met with her and she said, you know, I really want to write this book. And I think, I don't know, I have this idea. And I was like, why don't you call it your elegant divorce? And I can help mm-hmm. you, you know, writing it because I, I went through it. We started mm-hmm. going. She really took the reins. Her name is Gabrielle Hartley, H-A-R-T-L-E-Y, and she's a genius. You'll you'll be hearing about her. And um, she took the reins. We are now in process. We're being published by Harper Collins, Harper Wave, Division of Harper Collins. And um, the book itself is going to be a very practical guide with examples of how to do your best, even if the other person is not willing to be elegant initially or ever, how to do your best to create an elegant divorce for yourself and for your family. That said, um, that is a part of my love life because my ex-husband, Anthony, Dr. Anthony Lyon, who is now the head of the Ash Center in New York yeah. on 61st and 5th. He and his wife, Gabrielle Lyon, also doctor, a genius, um, are pretty much our dearest friends. They're really? here as often as they can be. They're very busy because they're running this, um, obviously, this major medical center in New York, alternative, integrative medicine, functional medicine. But as often as they can, they're here. And every time they come here, we get so much done. We help Jonah. We help ourselves. We get closer. We yeah. create synergy, connection. You know, we're very conscious about it, and we're very proud about it. They, yeah. however, are best friends, like best, best, best friends with James, my boyfriend. Oh, really? It's the funniest thing. Jonah and I were gone in Australia. <laughs> And all I get are these pictures of James hanging out with Tony in the office, cleaning out another room <laughs> over there, 
sorting out another thing over there. And it's like, I, I somehow feel like I met Tony so that James and Tony could find each other. I was going to say, do they know each other because of you? That's all. This is the only reason why they met. And the first time, first time Tony met James, he texted me shortly after he left, obviously. And James was over at my house and Tony left. And Tony texted me and he said, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I finally found a guy that he really can vibe with. And ever since then, it's just been rosy. Bottom line is, the, the, the love in my life is strong and full of support. It doesn't let me stay in a dark place for too long because I'm surrounded by it. And I really do cherish it and honor it and cultivate it all the time and make sure that everyone feels like they're taken care of. I do everything that I can to, um, for all those three people to make sure that they know how much I love them and am here for them. And they, and they do the same for me. Yeah. Great. Um, who is talking? No, I was just going to say what. Um, but your work, the other book that you, the other book that's actually coming out in September, that one is done completely. It is done. Yes, we're just figuring out um, <clears throat> whether or not the back cover is blank or it has a piece of art on it that I made that I love. We're just trying to decide <laughs> if that's a good idea. It's a beautiful book. I have a feeling. My big, big dream is twofold. One is that it's used in trainings, not mm. just yoga teacher trainings, but like trainings of all kinds, psychological, physiological, you know, Army, Navy, Navy Air Force, Marines. Like it's, yeah. it's so um, provocative and beautiful. It's used in essential oils trainings. It's used in university classes. Tell me about why is it provocative? Explain that part. Yeah. All the pages have just very, very short prompts on them. They're all painted and really pretty. But they have these short prompts on them that sort of can lead in any which direction. A couple of my favorites that I talk about all the time, my very favorite says, some part of me knows how to heal this. <laughs> you know I love that one. I, love I know, that it's one. your favorite too. But that's <laughs> that's kind of where it, it can go any direction and like today I just I had a tough morning with Jonah he just frankly was not responsive <laughs> at all and Matt, you know, what can you not that's so weird <laughs> I know and um and I boy did I just I lost it and it's never <sighs> it's never good to lose it as we know we brought it back we got it back but when I came home and I dropped him off and I sat down to kind of get back to myself and get my day going I thought of that page. What would I write now? Mm-hmm. What would I write now? And it led me to ask, you know, a little bit of help from one of my teachers. It led me to report into Anthony, to Jonah's dad, which is my consequence. If I let my temper get the better of me, um, my consequence is that I have to tell him all about it. <laughs> yeah, as the, as, as the daddy. It's just highly embarrassing. And yeah not something that I want to do. It stops me, you know, 75% of the time, Mm -hmm. that consequence. But uh, anyway, no victims here. I, when I think about some part of me knows how to heal this, it's like, yes, so many parts of me know how to heal this. Actually, there's so much forgiveness. There's so many different little doorways to understanding. And this is one of them. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Jonah and I will get closer for the conversation that we're going to have later. 
so it has these prompts and and why is it provocative for you though like because it asks it asks people to be truthful because it's not I mean, it's it. Well, tell us what it is. I think we all know, kind of know what it is. So we should say that. <laughs> That's fine. It's um, it's basically a journal for um, where you get to see yourself on a page that's full of art. That's not just a guide, like answer this question and fill in the blank. It's mm -hmm. so, it's so much about what you want to amplify and what you want to distance yourself from and what you want to be relating to your inner life, your outer life. Um, you know, it's uh, one of them, one of the pages, this is how my body feels after meditation. That's like one of the more concrete, uh, concrete pages. There's one that says, could discipline be a, uh, what does it say? It's something like, could discipline be an honoring of the feminine? Hmm. It's like, oh my God, I, I never thought about that. I've never even remotely even questioned that. How, who, you know, so it's relevant for a little bit of everyone. It's, there are a couple of other ones that I can think of. I am, I am all of these things and I am none of them. <laughs> is one of them. I love that. Um, this is when I feel most alive. You know. So it is. It could be used for anybody. So did you intend to to do it for yoga teachers, and then it became something else? I don't know. I I don't know if I ever intended it for anyone. It yeah. was just for me. It was. I was healing from losing my mom, and I was just wanting to make some art and. The, the, my publisher called, oh, could discipline be a surrender to the feminine? Hmm. Is that page? Hmm. Uh, chapter That's three. definitely a flip. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, my publisher called and said, you know, I'd really love for you, I'd love to see you do a journal. Something tells hmm. me that you should be doing a journal. And I was like, I don't want to do a journal. Oh, I could do a journal. Okay, fine. And I know exactly who's going to illustrate it. And I went and called, uh, emailed Kim Kranz, who does The Wild Unknown. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you're going to do this. She was like, oh, God, I'm really busy. And I was like, no, 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 you have to do this. I, I called the publisher and I was like, okay, she's not free. And he was like, actually, there's no book unless you do the art. Oh, good. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> and, I, and I was horrified. It took me like a week to wrap my mind around the idea. I, was, I thought, no book, fine. No, no big deal. No journal. And after about a week, I thought, you know what? I, this is actually something I need to do. My mother, when I was in probably seventh grade, bought me a beautiful drafting table. And she said, Elaine, I want you to, I want you to enjoy this and keep going with your art. And so really, it's an homage to her. I just sat down on my floor and for days and couple months to three months actually last summer I just painted painted and painted and painted and painted what a gift he gave you your publisher I know I know there's another page that just came to mind um this is what I'm afraid to say but I know it will set me free to say it oh that's good <laughs> Where you, you are being, you're being provoked you know yeah. and you're being asked to dig deep inside of yourself and and consider what it is that you're not saying and what you're not feeling what you're not willing to look at and it's not it's not necessarily uh dark it's yeah. meant to really bring everything out into the open and help you uh have a have an open dialogue with yourself take care of yourself 
Yeah, I mean, it sounds like I think when I think about you and your work, um, you have probably more than anybody I know, sort of, um, you are able to, everything comes through as very subtle, but powerful. Mm. Um, And so it sounds, it sounds like that, you know, it sounds like, like you are not a like hit you over the head type of teacher or person really, but um, I'm always amazed at how powerful your your way is um, because of that, because you are su- are so subtle. So I think that's... It's how I want to be led. Right. Ultimately. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's, I don't want any more than... I don't want to be banged over the head with it. I just want to be led in a, in a quiet and subtle way. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I do. Yeah. And we teach how we want to be taught, truly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thanks so. And that's okay. So that's through sounds true. Practice mm-hmm. you through sounds true, and that comes out in September. September, yes. Okay. Can people pre-order it now? Uh, not quite yet, but okay. as soon as they can, I'll let you guys know. I appreciate that so much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have some fun with that. Yes. Um, sure. So, are your sobriety? So you've been how long have you been sober now? I got two and a half years, my girl. Is that right? Wild. Right. Two and a half years. It's actually just one month shy of two and a half years. I have April 21st. Amazing. And how does that feel? So nice. So nice. I'm uh, I'm just adding to my, um, you know, the talk that I gave when I first got sober. Writing it. Uh, It's called The Ritual of Recovery. So now I'm adding to it for the She Recovers Conference in May. Oh, yeah. good. And yeah. what are you teaching yoga? Or you're giving, what are you doing exactly at that? Yeah. Taryn, Taryn and I are going to teach a yoga class. Oh, I love it. Good. I'm going to give my spoken word. They, they really, they, she, Taryn and Dawn were just like, look, we want you to do your spoken word. Yes. The one that you already did. We want you to do that again for our audience. And I was like, cool. Is it cool if I add some more mm-hmm. to it? And they were like, if you want to, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Last night I was sitting. Oh, what a treat! That's so great. It's going to be good. And last night I was sitting here, uh, listening to Roshi Joan as I do in the late night, dark hours. And um, I all of a sudden came up with a whole second, a whole like ending section, and I thought I would read it to you guys. <gasps> yes, please, do. please. Please do. I mean, oh it's going to a little bit ruin the surprise at the She Recovers Conference, but I actually don't care because it's so beautiful and I need it today and I just want to read it. So there. Okay. I need to know this before you read it. Um, Please. The, the the writer or whatever in me needs to know. So did you write this last night? Like, yeah. Okay. So this is literally, you just did this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And keep in mind that this isn't the final. This is just what came out last night. Even better. From the sea of identities that is reference to the sea of possibilities that is reverence. I am not this addiction, this anger, this fear. I am not that hesitation, that doubt, that near death wish. I am blessing. I am tested. I am sometimes suffering and so often blessed by the presence of these questions we are all asking. This feeling is genuine. 
It arises spontaneously. It is not a mere reference point. It is a revolution of our thinking. It's our attention fundamentally directed internally. It's our love rising and falling ceaselessly, mercifully. So when you feel homesick for reverence that penetrates every cell, the awakening to the remembrance that casts the simplest spell of truth, just close your eyes and go inside. Dang. To remind yourself of what your heart needs to hear. It's only this, and it's super clear. I love you. I love you. I love you. Elena. It's beautiful. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, girl. I think that's the end of it, the end of the new yeah. like, sort yeah. of updated version. Yeah. I love it. I don't ever cry on this show. I do. I, I cry crying for the first <laughs> time, just reading it through. I've never, I haven't read it out loud. There's something about that, though. I know when I, I will write something, and then I'll usually try and proofread it out loud to somebody. And if it's a hard piece, I can't make it through. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. you don't, it just gives you this time to digest it. It comes through you, and then you digest it. And that's so oh big. Oh, my gosh. It's, that is, um... I don't even want to talk about it because I don't want to it's beautiful. <laughs> whatever it to it. But um, that is very you. And um, I think the end, I think it should be the end. Yeah. yeah. Because that's, like- that's where we, it, and it's perfect that this is sort of the evolution of that piece because you land at the, you know, you land at the, I love you. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, I'm so honored that you did that. I wasn't expecting to. In fact, I had to go over to the closet to get it because I had put it into my Yoga Glow travel bag to work on it on the plane. <laughs> Don't work on it too much. I won't. I won't. So the working on it really means going back and relearning, remembering. Yeah. Yeah. The whole thing just have to, because I, I like to do it free form, so I just have to memorize it again. Yeah. Yeah. How often do you do stuff like that? Like, how often does stuff like that happen for you? How much? How much do you like channel that kind of stuff? Uh, I actually find myself writing stuff like that once a week for Teach Yoga. Okay, what's Teach yeah, Yoga? Uh, Teach Yoga is my website for teachers. It's non. There's no profit to it. It's not a not a money generating situation. It's just a virtual home for teachers. And I write an email once a week. That is usually my note is less than 200 words, but sometimes it's no more than 400 words. And Mm -hmm. every week I write a new little note and mostly it's um, poetic in some way, not necessarily rhyming, but in some way it, it has to touch my heart or I can't use it. And I usually write it in the early, early morning on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I just, whatever's happening for me at that time, I find a photo that I've taken within the past week. I then write, like, what actually could I share of my own experience that's valid? This week it's going to, it's going out tomorrow, it's about neutrality. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, any, whatever is touching my heart, you know? Yeah. And so I write 
basically once a week. It's like, uh, it's a good practice for me. It keeps me on my toes and it keeps me receiving. Yeah. Yeah, the spoken word thing is so interesting because I've never, I, um, well, first of all, you are, I mean, I mean, that's poetry. Like poetry has this weird thing for me where I feel like I'm not supposed to write it. Like I, I shouldn't offend it by trying to write, to write poetry, but I actually really like writing it. Um, and it's a silly thing for me to think. And um, when you were reading that, I mean, I would want to look at that again and like listen to it again and listen to it again. But when you were reading that, um, I was thinking of the, what David White says about poetry, where it's like um, the language for which your ego has no defense. Mm. Like uh, when you were reading that, I was like, oh my God, she's a poet. <laughs> she's mm. she's writing poetry. <laughs> <laughs> um, not to, it just, I don't know what my point is, but it's just, uh, you're very good. You're very good at it. I'm glad I'm, you, I'm great. I'm glad you let yourself do it. Yeah. I have the opposite experience of poetry. I believe, like, I always, um, when I look at poetry, I'm like, anybody can do that. Um, not me. Um, but I, I don't know. Let me, let me actually rephrase that. It's not that anybody can do that. It's like, I think anybody brave enough to claim something as poetry gets to claim something as poetry. Um, mm-hmm. I, it is not my thing. It's never mm. been my thing. It doesn't, it, it's hard for me to read and I would never try and write it. Um, well, you I, said something a long time ago. You said poetry is slow and I'm fast. That's and right. Think, uh, yeah. But you, you posted a Mary Oliver poem the other day. So you, well, I you like let some, some of, of them in. and I like, and I usually the way I'll pick it up is if somebody really thrusts it in front of me. And it just, it's not to say that poetry's lost on me or I don't appreciate it. Like, oh, I know. you know, when I read something like, um, not Stephen Pressfield, Stephen Cope's work. He always, he loves poets. He always is, you know, highlighting some piece of poetry and he, he got me to love Walt Whitman. Um, and he's why I really dug into Thoreau, who's not a poet, but who's a, you know, a lengthy, it's a, it's a hard read. It's not a fast read, but for me, for the most part, it also, I mean, I'll read it and I can appreciate it and I'm and becoming more and more and more, but also yeah. on the other side of it, it's the, I'm talking about the actual making of the poetry. And when I, I would never want to. Um, and I find for me, I don't question when somebody says they write poetry, I look at it. And even if it's the shittiest thing I've ever read, I'm still like, okay, that's poetry, you know, cause you yeah. called it poetry. Um, right. and it's a, it's a claim more than it is a, a qualification, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I would call what I'm doing poetry necessarily as a label, but I like to write where there's rhythm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it's it's like you're there was a rhythm to what you just read, like a and there and your spoken word has a a definite rhythm to it too. Yeah, Yeah. is that what you mean, Holly? When you say what you were saying? No, No. (laughs) I just think what I I think more than what I'm saying is that. I think people have a hard time claiming that something is poetry, right? Mm. Versus an essay or a piece of writing. I think it's a very hard thing because people think it has to qualify. I think there's a big hang up for some people to say that. And what I see from this side of things is that if you put something in front of me and you call it poetry, I'm going to say, okay, 
that's fine. I'll read your poetry. Doesn't mean I always going to like it, but you know, people put really awful essays together and it's still an essay. So, you know, cause they call it an essay. Um, so it's, it's more of, um, Laura, I'm always surprised because Laura writes, you know, a lot of stuff you write is really beautiful, but I, it's really funny that you think that you kind of don't qualify or you have this right or whatever. And I think the only difference is between what the author is willing to, you know, claim. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's just, it's just more of an observation, I guess. Um, than anything but it was I mean regardless is in you know um I read what you just wrote as poetry right Elena like that is you know it feels poetic to me now that I've read it out loud but I don't know if I would have called it that yeah (laughs) so some part of me knows how to heal this anyway yeah right (laughs) right um so can you talk a little bit about what sobriety is like for you like since we last talked like you were about a year and a half um Mm -hmm. and now you're two and a half um what is what's happened in the last year for you uh a little more closeness to myself and quicker turnaround from perceived mistake to forgiveness we were just talking about that. Is it Gabby morning. calls it your um, comeback time? Is that right? Is that what she's? No, maybe not. Well, maybe. You come. See her that. Your comeback rate. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly can I recover from feeling absolutely awful about myself? Is the question. Yeah. yeah. And now it's faster. It's definitely faster. And I don't. I'm not as hard on myself. I still get you know really down for a few minutes, maybe even an hour, but. No longer, and I run down, you know, do a little workout, uh, you know, call somebody for support, ask a teacher, a dear friend, you know, just, I'm I'm using my resources more, which is, I think, a really nice result of getting some more time in sobriety. Yeah. Do you think you use them more... Yeah, I'm, I have a couple of questions about that, because one, like, what, what type of stuff are you hard on yourself about? Like, oh, what, you know, mostly with my kid. Okay. Yeah, mostly yeah. that. I, 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 everything else, I'm really pretty buttoned up, you know, with mm-hmm. regards to my work. I really do a nice job with regards to my studying. I'm always learning or I don't feel good. So I'm just constantly learning. I'm reading and taking good care of my mind. Um, yeah, the only, the only place where I feel like I falter really is in my reactivity with my kids still even though it's so much better than it was. Wow. (laughs) I mean, so much less frequent and less intense, but in a funny way, more intense because I'm more sensitive now that I'm cleaner longer. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that funny paradox of like, nothing really has changed. It's actually improved, but somehow I'm more sensitive. So it doesn't feel that way. (laughs) Totally. I think I get it. And about asking for, you know, essentially asking for help. Were you someone that used to do that? No. Okay. It took a lot for me to ask for help. Now I'm finally learning, like, in the moment, talk to James. In the moment, tell tell Jonah's dad. In the moment, you know, mm-hmm. text Yoga Rupa. Ask him for help. What does he think? What does he do when this happens? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Did you not... Was you're not asking for help because you didn't think you needed it or you were embarrassed or you thought you could figure it out? 
Okay, embarrassed. Yeah. Well, because it's because it's tinged with this idea that I mean, not even like the embarrassment of needing to ask for help, but also because there's this like shame attached to it that there's there's you know that like that that you were high or oh yeah right like that layer extra layer we were just talking about that Holly right like we were like Elena I um I uh and quickly because I know we got like ten minutes but. I think sort of what you're saying is kind of is a similar experience to what I, what we had um, recently where we used to, I used to feel bad about everything I did wrong because it, it always to me felt like something that was related to my drinking. Um, And a a lot of times it was. So things that I do today where I fuck up, I don't feel that extra layer of shame about it because it has nothing to do with drinking. It's just like me being a human that, you know, makes mistakes. Um, well done. But, well done. Oh, I thought you said hold on. I was That's like, what, what I thought you said too. No, no. Well <laughs> done. Just super well done. That's everything. Yeah. So now without that in, you know, in the mix, it's like we actually have permission to just be human and not look at it through this layer of guilt now because yeah. this thing is happening. Yeah. Exactly. It's big stuff. It's really big stuff. I think especially for women and especially for moms too. Because I'm sure you were doing stuff with your kid before or not doing things where you felt shitty. But now, you know, it's just like you're com- coming by it more honestly. That's right. All right. Well, uh, I could ask you so much more, but I feel I know Paul has to stop uh, at 1130 and I I'm good. Are you good, Holly? Yeah, no, I'm good. I think this is, it's so nice to catch up with you. And it's also so nice to, I mean, it's just the, um, I love, I love our community. I love our sobriety community. I love that we um, continue to contribute to it and grow in it and expand it and also give rise to um, this courage for other women to stand in it out loud Mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know. It's just, it's really special to be here with you and it's really special to, to know you this way um, mm. and have this, this common understanding and also this, this kind of this common space. Um, and so I just thank you for, for coming yeah. back, for doing your work, um, for using your, your microphone um, and, and for yeah. spending time with us and yeah, all of, it. all of it. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. I was just thinking, you know, there's a, there's a there's for some reason the sentence just popped into my mind uh, that I wanted to use for practice you about it being a map to your highest self and I think that's what you guys are doing you know you're you're all the little conversations that you have with all the different people whom you're choosing to with whom you're choosing to collaborate they're all like little points on the map yeah for anyone either trying to get sober or who's newly sober or even a long time sober it's like the the it's like a good route to be taking to follow that yeah so thank you yeah we love it (laughs) we get to spend our time doing this yep Yep. all right well the sun just came out in california um nice yeah What's it I like in New York right now? It's like, what, 15 degrees, 16 or 20, 30, what, snowing? 
From the looks of it, there's a little bit of snow falling. Okay. Uh, the chimney across the way looks, you know, where the, where the smoke comes out of the chimney, but it barely hangs there for a second because the wind is so intense. Yeah. yeah. That's happening. And well, um, yeah, it's pretty cold and pretty cozy. Nice. Now I have heat going, I have a scarf on, I have blankets on my legs. It's really nice. Nice. Yeah, it is nice. It's right, 78 we're degrees gonna... in Los Angeles right now. Oh my so, God. It's so crazy. I had my AC on yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Lainey, you're going there, oh, yeah. right? Like, we were, you're not going to be, because we were hoping to have you um, be a guest at our workshop at Skyting next weekend, but you're not going to be wish. in town. Yeah. No, next weekend is when I go. I'll be, uh, I'll be leaving on Friday and I'll be in LA for most of that following week. Nice. Good. Well, what you do, what you do on Yoga Glow is um, is wonderful. Ah, oh, thank you. We're gonna do longer programs now. I'm 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 filming a twelve a twelve piece program. Each piece is half an hour, and each piece builds on the others. And it's called self care practices. Yeah. I swear to God, it's called practices for resilience and grace. <laughs> self care for women. <laughs> practices for resilience and grace i'm so excited and it's mostly hatha mostly hatha so there's there's like a touch of kundalini in there but barely any towards Mm -hmm. the end it's really about like just get your body grounded and strong then do anything else you want yeah that's awesome good love it perfect yep so there you have it all right lady thank you so i get to see you guys if she recovers in may yeah 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 Fantastic. Yes, we're on. Um, we're in doing a, life. A, a thing too, and yeah, oh, that's going to be. Oh, that's going to be um, overwhelming. A lot of a lot of, <laughs> a lot of um, power in one. <laughs> that's right. You know what? That's going to be uh, the culmination of a lot of great work on the parts of a lot of great women. Yes. And uh, as long as we can just stay grounded. and That's not- what I, I'm worried about. I feel like I'm already just when I think I can't think about it because I feel like I start spinning. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of energy. It'll be great. It'll yeah. be great. I'm just excited for it. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, it will. It will. Yeah. All right. I uh, love you. Talk to you soon. Love you, too, you guys. Thank you, you so much for, for having me on. Absolutely. And, uh, Holly, I can't wait to hear how it goes with Guru Singh. I'm so jealous. I know. Oh, he's well. I go to his class regularly uh, now. I'm just uh, like, yeah, he's. Uh, it's amazing. Have you read Buried Treasures, by the way? No. You should pick what it up. It's his, it's his biography, um, autobiography, and it's it's about how he used to um, hang out. Like he used to play music in between Grateful Dead and Janis Joplin, and Janis Joplin was his friend. He was in like the San Francisco in the '60s, <laughs> so and then how he. Goes to Mexico, but like, um, but like to like an like Aztecian, like, um, like a completely removed village, and then goes through all of these rites of passage. And like, is I mean, it's crazy, but it's so good. And he's a wonderful, like, he's just a great teacher. He's a great teacher. And I go and I see Azita Nahai, who's one of, I see her as a therapist. She's a yoga Kundalini yoga teacher, but she's been one of his students for like 20 years. Mm. Um, so there's just a a lot of like I'm like, like LA is just I mean good god the stuff yeah, that's here pretty, it's it's pretty great it is it's so great so I'm and I'm taking advantage of it so good good I'm proud of you for that I wish I was there all the time yeah yeah me too awesome. <laughs> <sighs> wow you guys can all right I love you guys all talk right, to you bye. soon bye
Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Infinitely so